since you brought me on as your pastor in August, that is the one thing that I've been wanting to do from this pulpit, is to help you to love your Jesus, to fall more in love with your Jesus, because that just encompasses everything. It encompasses the way you think, the way you speak, the way you act, the way you react. And the more that we come in love with Jesus, the more we will come just like him. The more that we know about Jesus, the more we'll want to know about Jesus. There are things in my, in my life that I know very little about. And I'm okay with that. I, I know very little, little about science. And I don't read anything about science. And there's a whole bunch of other things that I don't know anything about. And I could care less about them. But there are some things I do know things about. Surprisingly, I know. And the more I know about a subject, the more I want to know about that subject. On Wednesday nights, we've been talking about heaven. And the more I find out about heaven, the more I want to know about heaven. The more I find out about Jesus, I want to know more about Jesus and his forgiveness and his love. The more I know about God, I want to know more about him and his awesomeness and his magnificence. So my heart's desire since, since day one has been that, <laughs> is to try to point you to Jesus and try to get you to the point in your life that I love him a little more today than I did yesterday. And I hope next Sunday you'll love him even more <laughs> than you do this Sunday. That's my prayer. Clayton, pray for us, will you, buddy, please? Thank you, Claxton. Uh, just before I get started, just, just let you know, um, Danielle and Clayton have been married a week, and they're still married. Okay? I asked him that today. Are you guys still married? And, 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 <laughs> and he said yes, so that's a good thing. I told him I'd get him today, so anyway. If you get a chance, tell him congratulations. If you haven't, um, that's going to be a good thing. And... I'll try not to embarrass him too much anymore. At least Danielle, I'll try not to. Okay. Today, the message, I, I struggle with, with the title <laughs> of, of what to call this message. I really did. It's, it's one of those deals. And it's still, a, uh, we're still in the Jesus My Choice series, if you would. And the first title that I wrote down on the, at the top of my page was, uh, What Now? So, I, I, yeah, okay, what now? And then I got to thinking, well, the, the spiritual journey. So I put that at the top of my, my notes there. And then, and then when I talked to Dirk yesterday, uh, I gave him a different title, which is in the bulletin, A Spiritual Journey to Maturity. So 
the title of the lesson will be all three of those, okay? So just <laughs> pick one that, that applies, all right? I, I hope it makes sense to you. Uh, we don't have one just central verse that we're going to look at today. We're going to look at quite a few verses, so just hang on there, and Dirk's going to put all that up, and, and uh, if you want to take notes, you'll be free to do that. All right. When uh, my little granddaughter was born, it's been so exciting around our house, and many of you have grandkids, and I understand that, but mine's special. You understand that? Okay, mine's special. <laughs> <laughs> Since I'm up here, I get to say that, okay? And it's been so interesting to watch her develop, okay? Uh, went from the crawling stage and, and now just the walking stage, if you would. And you just, and you just see how much she loves her papa. And you just, and you just see her growing and maturing. And, and she's starting to kind of tr- put words together, you know, and, and uh, you know, pop and bop and pop again and those kind of things you know and and of course that just melts your heart and you know one of these days she's going to just grow a little bit and she'll be speaking better and then she's going to go to school one of these days as she grows and matures a little bit and then all of a sudden like some of you have found out that uh, there'll be teenagers and you know she'll be a teenager and and uh, and that's a good thing and then then eventually you know maybe college and Maybe she continues to mature, and maybe she'll have a family of her own, and, and she'll move into adulthood, and, and all those kind of good things. And, and at, at least for the last almost two years now, it's been so much fun to, to watch her mature, to watch her change. Just every day is just something different. She's just changing all the time, and, and, and that's the way it's supposed to be, that, that as a person, a young person, we, we change, and she's changing, and we all are, are changing. And it would be a, a sad commentary if, if, the, if she just stayed the same. If she just stayed at two and she never changed to three or four and, and yet this, she kept her same mentality. And it, would be, it, would be, it would be sad if she just did not grow up. And I tell you that to tell you this. The Christian life is just like that. Okay? God's Word has called us to grow up. God's Word has called us to mature. God's call, Word has called us to grow in His Word and to get on His spiritual journey that He has for us and that we cannot always just be babes in Christ, but we are called as Christian believers to mature in the faith. When you read the word perfect in God's Word, especially in the New Testament, He is talking about mature things, okay? To be made perfect, the Bible will say. That is to be more mature than you were in the past. 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven, Paul says it this way about growing up on a spiritual journey. He said, when I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But when I became a man or an adult, I did away with childish things. Paul is speaking about spiritual maturity. Paul is speaking about your first conversion experience. You're a babe in Christ, okay? And that's what he is saying. I was a child. But the longer I lived, the longer I was involved with God's Word, the longer I allowed God's Word to mold and shape me, 
that I didn't want just that in my life. I wanted some meat of the gospel. I wanted what, what the, the, the ground basic idea of the gospel is. And I want to take that and I want to build from that. And I think Paul is, is telling you and I to do the same thing. He is telling us that we are on a spiritual journey, every one of us. And we can decide in that spiritual journey if we want to stay like a Kimber at two years old and never change. Or are we going to be like what he's called us to be as being saved and then at that point moving on to a spiritual journey. You know, it would be really sad if, if you had been a Christian for 20 or 30 years. And that's all you are is a believer for 20 or 30 years. And you were just a child walking, coming to church, but never growing. And I want to encourage us today as believers, we are on this journey, and I want to encourage you today that we are called to mature. We are called to be spiritual uh, giants, if you would. We are called to be spiritual, mature Christians that want more than what, what Paul would say, more than the milk of the word, He said, I want you to know the meat of the word. And I want you to grow today. And I want you to grow today and I want you to grow tomorrow. And we're going to tell you how to do that if you would. Because it would be very sad for you, for me, for any of us to just remain the same. Even though we've come to church for the last 10, 20, 30, 50, 60 years. And we just remain the same in our spiritual walk with the Lord. That's not good. So we're going to look at that today. That's kind of where we're going with the, with the message. You know, I, uh, at the start of the week, I, I, I thought God wanted me to speak on the, the different soil, the four soils. of uh, That's the parable in the Bible. And you know this, you know the parable, and we're not going to, we're going to, not going to preach on all four of them. But, but you remember what the Bible says in Matthew 13 about the four soils or the, the sower. And the Bible says that, that the man, the farmer, went out and sowed, and, it, and, and the seed fell on hardened ground, ground that gets trampled all the time. And Jesus said, that is, the, that is the person who hears the gospel, but the devil comes and takes it away, and, and, and the person doesn't respond to the gospel. They, they hear it, but they, they don't want to deal with it. And we live in a society that, that many people are like that that hardened heart that wants nothing to do with the gospel. And then the second soil, second soil was, was the rocky soil where the seed or the gospel uh, went to a person. The Bible says they received it. But since it was on a rocky, rocky soil, there was no root that was taking place in that person's heart. And they say when persecution came or affliction came or struggles came in life, which they normally do, uh, the Bible says a person that has that heart, that rocky heart, it says they just fall away and they do nothing with, with the gospel that they heard. It's a heart issue. The third, the third uh, soil that we know about is the thorny soil. And the Bible says that person who hears the gospel and, and accepts it joyous, joyfully, if you would, but when the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches come into that person's life, the Bible says they produce no fruit. They have a heart. They think they have a heart for the Lord, but they really don't. They have a heart for the world. 
And then the fourth soil that I just want you to look at, and that's kind of the one that we're going to go to. And that was the good soil. Okay, the good soil. Uh, Matthew 13, I'm just, I'll just read that to you. Matthew 13, 23, if I can get there. And it says this about the good soil. Uh, if I can find it, where is it? 23, 23, 23. And the one on whom soil was sown on the good soil... This is a man who, who hears the word and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. That's the soil I want to look at today. The soil that bears fruit. The Christian who bears fruit. The person who has accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. We are called, believe it or not, to bear fruit. So we're going to look at this bearing fruit, if you would, uh, today. Because it is required, if you would, for the believer. I mean, it's not an option. It's not something, well, I, did, I, I want you to bear good fruit. No, he said, he said, if you have been born again, if you are one of mine, you will bear fruit. Some will bear more than others. Some 100, it says, some 60, some 30. But you all will bear fruit. So that's what we're going to look at today. And it's all part of this spiritual journey, if you would. So what makes up this spiritual journey? The journey that you or I are on. How do we get on that road? Well, the first of all, you have to be, like the Bible says, born again. You have to become a new person. You see, the Bible says when you got saved, when you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you know what happened to you? He gave you a new heart. He changed your heart. Your heart is no longer hardened. It's no longer rocky. It's no longer thorny. It is a good heart that wants to accept the gospel. And when he gave you a new heart, he gave you a new purpose in life. Did you know that? He gave you a new passion in life. That is to love the Lord with all your heart and soul. He gave you a new priority, okay? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And he gave you a new plan in your life, okay, to do God's will with your life. He said, that is a changed heart. When that happens to you, when you accepted Christ, he gave you a new heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says what? Okay. It says this. If anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You see, when you got saved, he took this old heart out of you and he put a new heart in you. And if he did not put a new heart in you, you ain't saved, okay? I mean, I just say that with love. You're, you're not saved. If he didn't give you a new heart, if there's not something that changed when you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, and this heart right here didn't change, you ain't saved. And I love you, but that's the truth. That's the gospel. Because it says you are a new creation. You are a new creature. You are a new person. You have a new heart. The old is gone. The new is here. So the first thing on this spiritual journey is you've got to be born again. You've got to have this new heart. Second thing I want you to show you real quick is that you will possess the Holy Spirit. Do you understand when you're a Christian that God Almighty lives within you? You understand that? The God of the universe through His Holy Spirit lives right here. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. The, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives right here. The same power that says there's nothing impossible with God 
lives right here in your life. And when you've been born again, you have the Holy Spirit. Bible promises that. He said, I give you that helper. I give you that one. I give you the Holy Spirit to live within your heart. You see, Romans 8 verse 9 says this, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ or the Holy Spirit, he does not belong to him. So if we're on this spiritual journey and you have been born again, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't know about you, but that's good news. That's a really good thing. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within you. And the Holy Spirit will empower you, will teach you, will give you the gospel, will give you the truth of the gospel. The Holy Spirit is there to convict you of sin and to teach you the truth. And for the believer, you don't get any better than that. I mean, if the Holy Spirit went in there, you could go do whatever you wanted to, live however you wanted to, and nobody cares. There would be no conviction in your life. But if you've been born again, if you're on a spiritual journey to maturity, Holy Spirit's right there. And he says, let me teach you the gospel if you'll let me teach you the gospel. The third thing I, I want you to see here real quickly as a born-again believer is we will produce good fruit. That's not an option. That's not a could be. We will produce good fruit if we've been born again. What does the Bible Describe good fruit. It is in a person's life, it is those outward actions, the things that we do because we have had a change in our heart. It is those things that we do, and it's because of those things, because it is what we believe in our heart. And if we've got good soil, we will produce good fruit. If you don't have a good heart, you can't produce good fruit. The Holy Spirit produces good fruit within us. Did you know that? I mean, one, one of the, the, the Gospels in, in Ephesians talks about, I mean, Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. You see, when we've been born again, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. And He will produce in us what's supposed to flow out of us is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, <laughs> okay, flows out of us. We love God with all our heart and soul and mind. And the second part of that is what? We will love others. That flows from us. We've been born again. That, that fruit of the Spirit is love, and it flows out of us to others. Love, joy is the next one. Okay, what about that joy? Joy is knowing that whatever happens in your life, because you have been born again, that God is in control, no matter how bad it is, you can still have that quiet stream of joy flowing through you. And that joy is not based on happenings. It's not based on circumstances. That joy that you have because you've been born again, it is knowing that God is in control and that if something happens to you here on this earth, that you will be immediately escorted into the presence of God. That's what joy is. And the Bible says you have joy because you have been born again. You have love. You have joy. You have peace. Jesus said, I, I'll give you my peace. Uh, not the kind of peace that the world wants to give you. No, nah, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you a special kind of peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace in a person's life that makes absolutely no sense why I feel calm about what's going on in my life. 
For the believer, that's what we have. That is promised to us if we just grab a hold of it and let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. He'll give us that kind of peace that we don't understand. But yet we get it because it flows from us because it is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Another fruit of the Spirit is patience. Well, I ain't got no patience. That's just the way I am. I've heard that before. I just the way I am. I ain't got no patience. Well, you do because the Holy Spirit says, I want that flowing from you. I want to give you patience. I want to teach you patience. Okay? You know, God does that to us all the time. Man, if you are an impatient kind of a person, guess what he's going to do? <laughs> he's going to bring things into your life that says, Don, I want you to be patient. I want to teach you how to be patient. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, you're just going against what the Holy Spirit said you as a believer has in your life. And don't do that. That don't work very good. He says, I, will, I want patience flowing from you. Be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger, the Bible says in James. Because the wrath, the anger of man does not approve of the wrath of God. He gives us that patience. I promise he wants that flowing through us. He gives us kindness, being nice to people. He gives us that goodness. Uh, uh, you hear people say, man, he was a, he's a good guy. You know, heard that last night. You know, I, I, had to, I went to, not had to, I got to go to a wedding. And, and, and my brother said, he is a good man. Yeah, that flows from the life of a Christian being a good man. It says, another one is faithfulness. Faithfulness from from cares of this world, faithfulness to our spouse, faithfulness to uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our faithfulness of reading His Word, to being who, we, who we, are, we are called to be. That is a fruit of the Spirit that flows from out of us, a faithfulness. Just like God is faithful as He brings that sun up in the morning in the east and sets it in the west. That is faithfulness. That is the kind of faithfulness He gives us as our, the fruit of the Spirit flows through us. He gives us gentleness, a meekness, not always having to be the tough guy or the tough girl. He gives us that, that, that idea of gentleness, not of meekness. It's just meekness. It's not gentleness. It's not, it's not being milk toast. It is, it is living a life, not all about you, but all about Him. And then the last one that people struggle with also, that fruit of the Spirit, is self-control. I'm going to do it my way. My way or the highway. Hit the road, Jack. Those kind of things. The Bible says, I want to give you a fruit of the Spirit. And one of those things is self-control. To be able to deny yourself some of those things that you want. To be able to carry the cross. To submit to the Lord when you don't want to. He said, I want that flowing from you. Can we improve in our lives on those fruits of the Spirit? Yes. Yes. Maybe, maybe we're strong in one area and not on another. But I'm telling you, as a born-again Christian believer, that is what is supposed to come from us when we deal with other people. Is the fruit of the Spirit. The second area that we get the fruit of the Spirit. John 15, 16. It says this, I choose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last forever. See, we're called for, for, to produce good fruit. 
to produce good things in our lives. And he says, righteous fruit lasts forever. Well, what does that mean? The Bible says, the things that we do for God's glory, the things that we do, the good deeds that we do for His glory, using His strength and His ability, not on our own, but using Him, the things that we do that maybe nobody else knows about, but God knows. The things that we do to give Him glory and honor, guess what? The Bible says those are eternal rewards. Eternal rewards. Warren taught Sunday school today. If Warren taught Sunday school today, and I don't, he didn't, but if he were to teach it in his own strength, his own ability, so that everybody would look at him and say, wow, look at Warren Stucker. I can promise you there would be no reward for him in heaven because of him teaching Sunday school today. If I had taught Sunday school for 40 years in my own power and my own strength and for my glory so that everybody would look at me and go, hey, good job, buddy. There would be no eternal rewards because I was doing it for myself and not him. You see, good deeds, the good actions that we do must be done for his glory and not my glory. In his power and not my power. Bible reinforces that in 1 Corinthians. Did you know that? In 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about doing things for the Lord. And it, and it talks about uh, building on a foundation of Jesus. And, it, and he's talking to Christians in 1 Corinthians 3. And he's saying, you know, as a Christian, you can build your life using gold, silver, and precious metals. And that is doing the things that you do for God's glory. Or it says you can do things with hay, stubble, and, and wheat or whatever it is. And those are doing deeds based on your own ability, based on for your own glory, doing all that kind of stuff for yourself. And it says as Christians, you have the right to decide how you want to do that. Are the good deeds that you do, are you going to do it for His glory or are you going to do it for your glory? And the Bible says for Christians at the judgment seat of Christ... When we stand before Jesus and he's going to judge our works, the things that we have done, the deeds that we've done, the fruit that we have produced, he's going to go, well, that was done in my, in my name and my glory. I will reward you for that. Now, all that stuff over here, the Bible says that you did on your own ability for your own glory for whatever it is. He said, I'm going to burn all that stuff up. And he says, you'll be rewarded for the things that you've done, the deeds, the fruit that you produced. Because of me. And if you didn't do anything, that'll all be burned up. And we have a choice as Christians. We're going to live our life giving Him glory and doing things for Him, using your abilities, your gifts, your spiritual gifts, or not. And He says, This will be burned up, the Bible says, and what's standing, you'll be rewarded because of it. You see, the good deeds, the good fruit, the things that we produce has eternal rewards based on that, okay? And who wouldn't want to do that? Who would not want to be able to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ? Giving us those crowns. And of course, I know, I know what Jerry's thinking. I'm going to get that crown, and I'm going to give it right back to him because of what he did. It'd be a sad day knowing that you got nothing. You got nothing, no crown, no reward. You have nothing to give back to the one who died for you, who gave his life for you. Man, what a sad deal. 
See, well, he's caused us to, to bear fruit. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we do good deeds? How do we do those things that, that bring glory and honor to him and not, not myself? How do we do that? Well, it tells us in John 15, 4 and 5, how to do that. How do, how do, we, how do we do that, that, bear that good fruit? It says in John 15, it says this. He says, abide in me, and I in you. He's talking about Christians. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides on the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, that's Jesus speaking. You are the branches, that's us. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus is talking about, about, about how, do we, how do we bear fruit? Well, you've got to abide in the Lord. And he gives this illustration, doesn't he? And, it, and it's, this, it's this tree trunk, if you would, the vine. And, and you know this. And, and the tree that's connected, the branch that's connected to the tree trunk, if it's connected there, what happens to it? It receives energy, it receives moisture, it receives strength, it receives growth, if you would, because it's connected to the tree trunk. But when that branch is broken off, it is cut off, it slides off, it's no longer attached to the, to the trunk of the tree. What happens to that, that branch? It just dies out. I mean, we've got a whole bunch of them, and, and what do you do? You stack them up and you burn them and get rid of them. And, and, and what's he saying there? He's saying, Christian, you have got to abide in me. You've got to stay connected to me, Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the vine. I am the trunk of the tree. Okay? And if you want to bear fruit in your life, good fruit, you have got to be attached to me. You've got to be connected to me. You've got to allow me to give you everything that you need. Energy, protection, nutrition, all that kind of stuff. Jesus said, I will give that to you if you will just stay connected to me. And, if, and as you do that, guess what's going to happen at the end of that branch? There's going to be good fruit coming from that because you are connected, you are abiding in Christ. How do we stay connected? What can you and I do to stay connected so that we can produce good fruit? We must constantly be aware of our spiritual life. Well, that's rocket science, isn't it? We must constantly be aware of our spiritual life. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean this. Do you read God's Word? Do you meditate on His Word? Do you obey His Word daily? If you want to be connected, how do you know what the, the trunk wants you to do until you read His Word? We want to stay connected. We read His Word daily. We meditate on it. We obey it. Second thing we can do is what? It is pray. We can pray daily. We can pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5.17, it says pray without ceasing. Well, how do you do that? You go through your day in a spirit of prayer. You might go two, three, four hours and, and, and nothing happens in your life, but then something happens and, man, bingo, bango, you can just say a quick prayer right there. It doesn't have to be a 10-minute deal. You could just say a prayer because you're constantly thinking about the Lord. And we say a prayer and we get that, go, allow that to 
get to us, if you would, and then we go about our day and something happens and we pray again. <laughs> Driving down the road. Somebody cuts you off. Or my pet peeve is somebody doesn't signal and I'm sitting there waiting to turn. Waiting for them to signal. It's not hard to do. And they never do. <sighs> that really just, ugh, that pumps my chili at times. That is the time when I need to go, Sorry, Lord, <laughs> I kicked that one. Shouldn't have been that way. I should not have got that angst in my heart. And I confess and then I move on. That's how that happens. We allow the Holy Spirit to examine our lives. Oh, that's, no, I don't want that to happen. Have you ever gone, Holy God, Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you just search me and try me? Matthew, uh, Psalm 139. Holy Spirit, would you just, here's another one. Uh, would you convict, convict me when I sin? When, when, I, when I mess up, when I get mad at him for not signaling, when I say something I shouldn't say? Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit, say, just convict me of that? Because I know it's a sin and I don't want to break my fellowship with you, Holy God. Just convict me of that. That is allowing the Holy Spirit, okay, access to your life. And as a Christian, we want to do that. We want to be able to live that way. You see, we must daily surrender our lives to Him, Christian. We've got to daily surrender. We've got to take up our cross daily, the Bible says. We've got to be able to communicate with Him daily. We want to speak to him daily, Christian. We just we have to do that. We have to constantly be in a state of, of confession and repentance, Christian, so we don't break that fellowship. See, we are called to bear good fruit, are we not? That is how we do it. See, the Bible says we are to walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16, so that we will not carry out the desires of the, heart, of, of the flesh or the desires of the heart. We're to walk in the Spirit. See, that's what I was talking about, letting the Holy Spirit examine your life. Because if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to check us, if you would, we will begin to live like the world wants us to live. And if we are a Christian and we are to bear fruit, okay, we are to walk by the Spirit. We are to seek the Holy Spirit direction in our lives. And I promise you, He will give you that direction. The Bible says for Christians, then if we stay connected to the vine, we stay connected to Jesus. It says in Psalm 92 that we will bear fruit in our old age. Well, that ought to be a good deal. Okay, we'll bear fruit in our old age if we just stay connected in our, in our lives. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, it says we will run and not be weary if we stay connected to the vine. Galatians 6, 9 says we will not go, grow weary in doing good. Those are all promises. And those happen in our lives as believers because we stay connected. We are abiding in Jesus. You know, I know sometimes that's, sometimes in the life of a Christian, that doesn't happen. <laughs> okay? Sometimes I understand that there'll be droughts in your life as Christian. Okay? There will be as if you have no power in your life. Uh, you're really not interested in reading His Word. Or praying, there's just sometimes there's that drought that happens in our life, and 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 we go through the motions of being a Christian. And did you know it is so easy to be able to come to church every Sunday and be in a drought with the Lord and not wanting 
uh, to be on this spiritual journey. But we want people to make sure that they know that we are kind of kind of spiritual. But we don't want them to know that we're in a drought in our lives. And we, and, we, and we go through the motions and we neglect reading and meditating and obeying His Word. That's what happens when we start pulling away on this journey. We quit doing what He's called us to do, to read, to meditate, to obey. We quit coming to church on a regular basis. It just, I just don't want to come this morning. It just doesn't seem to happen. And we begin to live a life of pursuing the things of this old world. We pursue worldly things just a little bit. We, we desire the worldly things just a little bit. And we begin gradually not being faithful to, of attendance and not being faithful for reading the Word. And we find ourselves in a drought. I've, I have talked to couples that are struggling in their marriage. And you, and you ask them, how's your spiritual life? How you, how's the reading of the word and obeying and coming to church going along? And they go, well, we don't do that. And these are Christian people and they go, no, nah, I don't do that. And then they can't figure out why they're struggling in life. Why their marriage is struggling. Because they've jumped off the, the road of their spiritual journey. And they quit including God in their life. And I'm telling you, when you do that, you're headed for a train wreck in your life don't please don't do that you know sometimes we give God a, an hour or two during the week did you know there's 168 hours in the week did you know that I used a, my calculator to figure that out the, this morning I figured it out I go let's see 24 times 7 is 168 hours in a week and sometimes all we give him during that week is one hour. Maybe we give him, if, if, if he's lucky, we give him two hours a week. 168 minus one or maybe two. So, the, for, so for the next 166 hours of the week, we don't talk to the Lord. We don't communicate. We don't give him any time. We're kind of busy. I'll, I'll catch up with you on Sunday, Lord. And, it, and it's kind of like a, a marriage, if you would. Suppose this is for the married couples, and it could be um, single people that have good friends. Suppose on Sunday, just catch this. Suppose on Sunday, you, uh, the guys, you get up and you make breakfast in the morning. And you sit down and you talk to your wife and you pamper your wife and you pat her on the head and all those kind of good things. And you give her your undivided attention for an hour. But then for the next seven days, you ignore her around the house. You don't speak to her. You pass in the hall. You don't say anything to her. You don't go, hey, fist bump. You do nothing. You just ignore her. But when Sunday comes around, you go, this is my day. Breakfast. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to give you this best hour, hon. This is the best hour of your week. I'm going to give it to you right here. But then, for the rest of the week, you don't communicate again. You ignore each other. You pass in a hall. Don't even look at each other. Don't even make eye contact. Could care less. Did you know that is what we do 
with the Lord. Christians, friends, I love you guys. But if we don't spend time reading his word, we don't spend time praying, if we just show up on Sunday, and I'm glad that you do, and I want you to do, and I want you to keep coming and bring somebody with you. But if that's the only hour of the week that you even think about God, there is absolutely zero way you can produce good fruit in your life. And that's, that's just a promise from God's Word. Okay? I want to get you and encourage you to spend time with the Lord. Maybe this week give Him three hours and count, and count Sunday morning. Next Sunday give Him two hours at least to come to Sunday school and church. And then somewhere in a week give Him another hour or another two or another three by reading and praying. Because there is no way, in my example of a marriage, that you'll have any kind of relationship with each other if you, all it is you give them one hour a day and you ignore them the rest of the week. There's no way you can have a relationship. And I guarantee you, I guarantee it, for the Christian, you can't have fellowship with Holy God if all you're going to do is give Him one hour a week. I encourage you to get in His Word. I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to do all that. Well, you say, that's not going to happen. I'd never do that. Well, that's kind of real. I'm not going to be that kind of a person. I'm going to give him many hours during the week. And man, I hope you do. But sometimes you don't. And why don't you? What happens? What happens to you and to me? I'm, I'm just as guilty of not spending any time with the Lord during the week. And you say, that, I'd never do that. But you end up doing that. Why is that? Because you see, the devil only needs about this much of your life to get his big old foot in the door of your life. And he is not interested in you reading the Word and spending time in the Lord or coming to church. And he'll make it so difficult for you. But he won't just, he won't just smack you in the face. Say, you're not going to church this Sunday. You can't read. What he, what he does, here's his, here's his plan of attack. He's kind of like, like Clayton there. And he, Clayton wants to have frog legs for supper tonight. Okay, so he gets a frog. And Clayton's smart enough to know that I can't put this frog in this boiling pot of water because if I put him in that boiling pot of water, he's just going to, he's going to be gone. He's going to jump out of there. And Clayton, being the smart guy that he is, he just turns the water where it's nice and warm. Not hot, not cold, just ah, nice and warm. And after a few minutes, the, the frog is kind of swimming around there and he's laying on his back, you know, just, just enjoying the, just floating and just enjoying the warm, the warmth. And a couple minutes later, he turns up the heat a little bit. Frog's still floating. He's good. He turns up the heat a little more. The frog's getting used to what's going on in his life. He turns the heat up a little more, and, and the frog's still laying on his back, thinking, man, this is pretty cool, but the water's close to boiling. And before the frog knows it, Clayton's got that thing on high, and the water's boiling, but because he's used to his circumstance, his surroundings, the frog doesn't jump out. And in an hour, Clayton's eating frog legs for supper. Why? Because the frog got used to what he, where he was, used to an environment. And then as the heat came and the heat came, he didn't even know that he was separated. He was fixing to be separated. And so it is with the life of a Christian. The enemy does that. He said, now you don't, read the, don't need to read your word today. Uh, let's go to the lake today. Let's go. It's Sunday, but let's go to the lake today. 
All right, so you don't have, you don't need to pray. You don't need to pray. Nah, you know, God knows. I don't need to pray nothing. Don't, don't pray. And he begins to take you down a path of very warm water, if you would. And as we give in to that crack in your life, he wants a bigger crack. He starts turning up the heat. Now you can miss two Sundays in a row. It's okay. Now you don't have to give. I don't read that Bible. And all of a sudden, as he keeps turning up the heat and getting part of your life, and he's getting, grabbing a hold of you, now all of a sudden, all of a sudden now, yeah, you don't want to read because you're comfortable where you're at. You're comfortable not coming to church. You're not comfortable doing the things that God has called you to do. And there you find yourself now drifting away, unable to bear fruit because you no longer have the things of God on your mind. You have the things of what you want to be thinking about. How can we get away from that? We need to remind ourselves that you and I are responsible for this spiritual journey that we're on. We are responsible to, to live a mature life, if you would. We are responsible to grow in our love for the Lord, our love for His Word, and our love for people. We are called to bear fruit. We are called to bear fruit. We are called to bear good fruit, believer. And I hope you understand that because that's, that's God's calling on your life. If we find ourselves in a drought like that, what do we do? We get back in God's Word. We get back to praying. We get back to spending time with other Christians. Did you know that? That's a, that's a, that's a biggie. Christian fellowship is a big thing. We spend time with other believers. We begin to use our spiritual gift in some sort of service. You know, God's given us all something that we are good at. No, He did. Yeah, He did. And, and as we see ourselves drifting away, we begin to start studying a little bit. We start getting involved in church. Uh, we begin giving back to the Lord, if you would, in a stewardship kind of, kind of a matter, whatever He's blessed us with. We want to give a portion of back to that. And then we get back on the road, a spiritual journey that He's called us to be on. The Apostle Paul says it this way in closing, in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. And this is what I want to just leave you with today. He says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect or mature. I haven't done that, he says. But I press on so that I may lay a hold of that which I also lay hold of by Christ Jesus. I keep pressing on. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. I'm not perfect yet. I'm not mature yet. But one thing I do, he says, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Christian, that's what we're called to do. And then the last verse, it says, I press on towards, towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. Okay? Believer, keep pressing on. Christian, keep pressing on. Keep pressing on uh, so that your life will bear fruit. Keep pressing on. The word, God's Word tells us that the world, we know that we are believers, that we are disciples. How? If we love one another. That's a good fruit, is by loving one another. And when we do that, the world will know that we are His disciples. Rhonda, as you go to the...
we're all on a spiritual journey. Do we want to remain as a young child in our maturity where life kind of tosses us back and forth because we have no firm root in the gospel? Or do we want to continue to grow, continue to mature, so that when life throws what it throws at us, we know where to go. We know where to go. We know where to find peace, okay, in His Word. We know where to find that calmness. When we're wrong, we know where to go. We go to God's Word, and we, we understand that He's forgiven us. And that no matter what the world throws at us, no matter what life throws at us, when we are mature believers, the Bible says you've got everything you need in Him to overcome. There is nothing, the Bible says, impossible for God. And that's what he's talking about in your life also. As the piano plays, let's bow our heads for our invitation time. I want to encourage believers to make the commitment to, to be a person that produces good fruit in their life. To do good things. To love the Lord and to love others. Be a person that wants to mature in their faith. So that when you get old, you have still are connected to the vine. As a piano plays, you do business with the Lord, if you would, please.